Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Wednesday, January 17th, 11.02 p.m. My name is Josh Moldex. On today's pod, Donovan Klingon's return to the court. Houston's bounce back win and a peculiar situation at TCU. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. The final score of this game, Josh, UConn 62, number one, for the first time since 2009, UConn 62, Creighton 48. That is the result of the evening. But of course, uh, a big part of this equation is the return of Donovan Klingon. He did not start in the game. He played 15 minutes off the bench, six points, five rebounds, two blocks, three of eight from the field. Um, a preseason All-American player back on the court. It's good to see. One of those blocks was a nice reminder of just what Donovan Klingon offers. Mm. He whacked a three-pointer into, I don't even remember where the ball ended. Somewhere. I've heard it's orbiting now. Yeah, right. Outer space somewhere. Yeah, Yeah. it left the the galaxy. (laughs) They didn't need him, which is really, from a UConn standpoint, the story of this to me, nobody played particularly well. I mean, sure. Tristan Newton was fine. Cam Spencer was good. And they were just fine without Donovan Klingon. And now you get to bring him back in, but it's not like he had a bunch of pressure on him. Like you said, he comes off the bench. He just kind of gets to get reacclimated, get some minutes under his belt again, get used to starting to ramp up so that come crunch time, when they really need him, he's there ready to go. Mm-hmm. But the the consistency is the impressive thing about this team for me because last season we came on here so many times and went, I don't know how they lost. I don't have an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. They just lost Big East games for reasons that kind of defied. It wasn't like there was one thing to point to where you went. And part of it was shooting and Jordan Hawkins – got into a slump and things like that but this team is is not all that different from last year's team they also look like a juggernaut at times but from a game to game standpoint whether it's because they're not so reliant on clinging because Tristan Newton's been so good become because Cam Spencer has been so good you have this combination of the the returners who have elevated their game specifically Caliban Cal, Caravan and Tristan Newton and Donovan mm-hmm. Klingon, obviously. You have an impact transfer who's done this whole college basketball at a high-level thing, Cam Spencer, and the freshmen who haven't been spectacular but have been contributing members and showing you from time to time why they're a highly touted recruiting class. It's all coming together, but it's not like there's one thing where you go, oh, that's why they're number one in the country. Everybody is just doing enough, and they're so well-balanced, and they just show up every night, which is something not even last year's team could say. Yeah, I think the the thing I'll be watching over the next couple of weeks is where UConn's Big East defensive Kempom number goes. Um, it's eighth after this game tonight. So after a 48-point defensive performance, it's still eighth. So I'm going to be watching where that goes because they are 33rd in the country in defensive efficiency. 
it's obviously a better defensive team with Donovan Klingon on the right. floor. It was a top 10, uh, top 10 in both efficiency categories last year. Um, so that's the only thing I'm watching. But other than that, um, like you said, an incredibly balanced team. Creighton, are we sure Creighton's good? Like, like, is there, like, is there anything inspiring going on in Omaha right now? They're good. They're not great. And we haven't gotten a chance to talk about this yet. We were texting back and forth a while ago. I think it was the Marquette game where I said, I just don't like this offense. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the story of the game here that really is the takeaway. Obviously, Klingon's going to get the headlines because the number one team in the country looked really good and brought their behemoth center, who's an All-American candidate, back. But Creighton shot 35% from the field, 23% from three, with eight assists and 14 turnovers. When I checked during the game, they were 24th in offensive efficiency. You bet on this team, and I bought into this team, based on the idea that this was going to be an elite offense. Yes. They don't take care of the basketball. They don't handle physically handle the ball very well. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Shireman specifically, but Ashworth at times have the ball stripped or just dribble it and lose it. They don't have somebody to facilitate the offense. Ashworth has not been spectacular. Shireman's been very good, but UConn took him out of this game and all of a sudden, you know, they didn't get the ball to Kalkbrenner for a while at the beginning. Then all of a sudden they were force feeding him and he couldn't do anything against Klingon. They are good because they're good defensively. Mm-hmm. Which but is not that, something that we, it was a question of how good can Ryan Kalkbrenner's defense make Creighton's defense as a whole. Right, that was something right. that we were talking about preseason. They have changed the identity of this program to be defense-oriented. However, this was supposed to be the offense that takes you into that next stratosphere, and it's simply not. No. They don't. They just don't do anything on the offensive end that generates easy offense. They right. don't take care of the basketball. Difficult. They don't offensive rebound. They are 341st in the country in free throw rates. They are... Just inside the top 103 point field goal percentage, that's fine. They're, you know, third and two point field goal percentage. So, but some of those things that just make make uh, like getting to the stripe as many times as possible, uh, creating some turnovers. They are 362nd in the country enforcing turnovers. 362nd. So they don't get any easy baskets there either. So um, it's an it's it's ironically a defense that's really good while also not. I don't think it boosts their offense all that much. It's no. that type of defense they play. They just make it really hard for you to score, but they don't, I'm not sure they're doing any favors anywhere for their offense. No. The last question you put on a rundown here is creating the most disappointing preseason top 10 team. And then you answered that question with my answer. It is still Michigan state because at least Creighton is good. and has a good resume. Have they, looked anywhere near as good as you and I thought they were going to? No. But Michigan State is fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. That is the most disappointing preseason top 10 team. Baylor's pretty close at number two, though. Sorry, not Baylor. Creighton. I don't know where that came <laughs> Baylor, out of out of left field, Baylor. Um, Creighton right now. 
Let's see. Oh, I scrolled too far. Creighton right now has two quad one wins. Michigan State is two and six in quad one. Uh, Creighton is two and two. Anyways, it, uh, just I, it, Michigan State is the right answer. I just think they're just so different from what I thought they were going to be this year. Yes. Uh, the Blue Jays. It's it's a little disappointing. In the Big Twelve, Houston got a nice dose of welcome to the Big Twelve early in their Big Twelve schedule. They come home. 77-54, they beat up on Texas Tech this evening. Jamal Shedd, 29-10 and 10 on 12 of 16 shooting. Sure, I'll take that and a cup of coffee from Starbucks. Thank you. For a while there, he was really just going toe-to-toe by himself with Texas Tech. <laughs> I mean, easily the best game of his career. That was something else. He just looked around and said, all right, boys, we're going to score 70 points today. If I have to score all 70 for myself, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but we're going to get sure. to 70. Yeah. We're going to end this. Fran for sure made this point on the broadcast multiple times. He's absolutely right. You just have to be able to move forward in the Big 12, good or bad. And mm-hmm. this game was a perfect example of that. You lost two tough ones on the road if you're Houston. No need to worry about it. It's going to happen to everybody in this conference from time to time. As UCF picks up yet another win today over Texas, Texas Tech standpoint, right? You come in nine wins in a row. All of a sudden you went from kind of afterthought to ranked team up there at the top of the big 12 standings. It went horribly. That's okay. Mm Got to move on because, oh, by the way, I think they have four of their next five games are against ranked opponents. (laughs) Starting with that. Yeah. BYU, Oklahoma, TCU, Cincinnati, Baylor is there. They get a break with UCF, UCF team that's now beaten Kansas and Texas, by the way. Right. Uh, and then they get Kansas, Iowa State, TCU uh, in, uh, in a stretch again. So, yeah. So there you go. You just got to, and from the Houston standpoint, just stop the bleeding, regroup. You're fine. They got that back bleeding, to- by the way. That bleeding, by the way, that's, a, that's five combined points across two right. Big 12 road games. Right. Yeah, it was. We were consistent with this. It was never that big of a deal. There's no need to reevaluate Houston as a team. They proved that the one, the couple things here defensively for Houston. Texas Tech had only failed to score sixty once, and failed to get to seventy twice all season, mm-hmm. and they barely got to fifty. That's the kind of defense Houston was playing. And then the second thing that I did want to mention. LJ Cryer hit a couple threes pretty early in this game, and I thought, oh, maybe he's going to get going a little bit. Didn't really happen. Now, to be fair, he didn't need to play at the end of the game because, you know, it was over. But that, to me, is still the thing when you're talking, as we always are, about Houston as a national title contender. Jamal Shedd is not going to be producing this many points for you every single game. They are good enough that when Cryer struggles, if they can hold teams to 50 to 60 points, whether it's Emmanuel Sharp, whether it's Jamal Shedd, somebody's going to step up to lead the offense to get them where they need to be so they can win 65-62. Or Jamal Shedd's going to have the game of his life and you get to 77. Yeah. But to go six games in a row and to beat the best teams in the country, you know, game after game after game in the NCAA tournament, to win a Big 12 title, LJ Cryer needs to get going again. This is not a sustainable formula to win the Big 12 or to win a national championship. But that's the bar. That's what we're talking about. Uh, he had 20 in in their first game against uh, in Big 12 play against West Virginia. 
he has a combined 18 points since then. Yep. Yeah. Gotta be better. Gotta be better. Um, of course, relatively speaking, not gotta be better for Houston to be a top. Like they're not going to fall off the face of the earth, but when we're talking about Houston, we're talking about it in the context of final fours and national championships. And that's, that's a non-negotiable for, uh, for Kelvin Sampson's team. Last but not least, and this is really this is really something, Josh. TCU women's basketball is holding open tryouts on Thursday and Friday for full-time students interested in walking on for the remainder of the 2023-24 season. Josh, why are they doing this? They're doing this because they don't have enough players not because of eligibility issues or something like that, not because of a bunch of suspensions, but because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Now, Josh, remind me, how many games in a row did this TCU team win to begin the season? Yeah, that number is 14. Jeez. Which makes this, of course, it's a horrible situation no matter what team it's going through because sure. all these players put so much work into without, it. And without without being said, one right. fourteen and 0, 0 and fourteen doesn't matter. Doesn't it's, matter. But still, for this team, this program that doesn't get these many, this many kind of opportunities to go into a conference that has you know a Baylor team that's playing really well, or at least was right? A Texas team that's up there and also has their own injury issue at this point, but to get to go compete with some of the best teams in the country and see where you really stack up after that really good non-conference schedule. Yeah. So, you know, the star Sedona Prince of TikTok fame against the NCAA way back when it was already injured. Then they announced two more players this week are going to go have season ending surgeries or they're, they're done for the year because of injuries that they've suffered recently, you know, trying to play through them to even have enough players to play these last couple of games, things like that. And mm-hmm. of course you got to just do what's in the best interest of the player. So two more got shut down. They just don't. So they're the other part we should say is this is all sort of becoming news because they forfeited their games against number seven Kansas state tonight and number 24 Iowa state on Saturday. Yeah in order to hold the open tryouts to get a team on the floor to finish big 12 play. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really something we wanted to talk about it. Obviously you hope all of these players can recover as quickly as possible. And that by the end of the season, if they can just give themselves a chance that they are at least a healthier, more complete team, of course, you're not going to get all of these players back, but can they at least have some semblance of the team that started this season so well. It really is, really is something. Um, the 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 social media post that the women's basketball TCU women's basketball team put up on on Twitter this afternoon. You just you just have to be a full time TCU student. You have to have a physical, and you have to have high school basketball experience. That is um, that you don't see that very often. Do you remember when Butler, when we were at school, that one year needed more walk, needed more, um, just needed more um, practice dummies. Basically, they just needed more people to fill out like five on five in certain situations. Yeah, and... the the open tryouts. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 
this is a whole different level. Oh, yeah. Whole different level. Yeah. Wow. And this is and this this is TCU. Yeah. Right? This is Big 12, big time athletics, big brand producing professional athletes consistently across multiple sports, you know. It's going to be a story to follow, and it would be a phenomenal thing if some of these play- – we get some really good stories out of this where some of these players who never thought they'd have the opportunity come in and play really, really well and help this team win some Big 12 games. And, yeah, it's – That'd be sick. Yeah, right. It, this, is, this is not something you see every day, obviously, in the world of all of the recruiting today and the resources TCU has. It's – I've never seen anything like it. It's – it's a very, very sad situation. Hopefully there are some positives to come out of it in terms of the stories we get to talk about the rest of the season. I'd be I'd be I'd be pretty excited if I was writing for their for student newspapers at TCU. I mean that how how about that? Being able to present some of those stories would be mm-hmm. would be awesome. I believe that's all I have for you. We'll be back tomorrow night. Unless you've got anything else. Anything a couple else? things real quick. Florida State, five straight ACC wins, beat Miami on the road. Leonard Hamilton got his team rolling. Didn't necessarily expect that one, but here we are. Mm, Sure. Looked like it was going to be Wake Forest, and now Florida State has overtaken Wake Forest in the upward ACC trajectory battle. Uh, The other one. What a bad night for Nebraska. Jawan Gary leaves the game with a non-contact injury that looked like those kind of injuries that you don't come back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Again, not a doctor, not trying to diagnose anything, but as we all know, non-contact, never a good sign. He was just nope. running down the floor and then he stopped running. It was clearly in a lot of pain. And on top of that, you also lost to Rutgers in a game, which you led most of the way and then legitimately could not score a basket from the field for essentially half of the second half. Rutgers still tried to give you a couple opportunities to take control of the game back. They didn't really want to win it. And then ultimately prevail in overtime. That's a that's a tough loss that was avoidable in so many ways for Fred Hoiberg's team. And on top of it, now you've got an important player that we're going to have to see what his status is moving forward. We're going to keep following this team. They're going to get wins at Casey Tobinaga Court. We already know that. You don't just is, walk in the pinnacle bank. You right, don't just right. walk in the pinnacle bank. Can they get enough wins on the road to put themselves in position to make the NCAA tournament? This is one they very easily could have had and let slip away. So frustrating night for Nebraska. That'll do it. Wednesday, January 17th. We'll be back for one more show this week tomorrow evening. Till then, take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you listen to your shows, follow, some tw- follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Thanks so much for being here. We will see you tomorrow.